They crossed the wrong man. No, really, they chose the wrong man to play Alex Cross. House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And over here, number three, Elliot Kalin. How many Stuart, of these have we done? Stuart, you never Stuart seem to remember. Feels like a zillion. <laughs> and yet every time you, you are taken aback, taken Wait. by surprise that you have to introduce your name. Ahem. Rarow. Okay. <laughs> well, out of practice. That's a rusty house cat. Um, also a great drink, the rusty house cat. So Not so great a sexual position. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Here we are, the three of us, back uh, with another regular episode after our once-a-year floptacular. Yep, now we'll be watching a movie and talking about it. Uh, and, and did we ever. <laughs> oh, did we boy. Strap in. Mamma mia. <laughs> Sweet uh, Susie Q. We watched a little film called... Hold on to your hat. Oh, boy. Tyler Perry Medea's Alex Cross. <laughs> Tyler Perry Medea presents <laughs> Tyler Perry's House of Alex Cross. <laughs> starring John C. McGinley. What? <laughs> well, he's in it. From Scrubs? Yes. He's in more than That Scrubs. Olive Garden commercial? <laughs> Olive's Garden? From Identity? Yeah, he's in a lot of things. Wait, was he the little kid or the fat guy? <laughs> he was John Cusick. <laughs> so the fat guy. Oh. oh! Oh! Count it. The Cuse has been burned by the stew. So, uh, yeah, we watched... A little film called Alex Cross. Uh, yeah. The uh, reboot of the Alex Cross franchise. You may remember the Alex Cross movies from before Kiss the Girls mm-hmm. and uh, Spiderweb McGee. Spider. <laughs> Walk, spider. Walking in a Spiderweb. Yeah. Um, which one had a. When you, when you call in, I'll call, call you back. Girl. I think that was another one. Uh, I which think one had you're, a... just, you're just talking about Gwen Stefani, no doubt songs. <laughs> but wait. Uh, wait um, but, but, uh, which one had uh, Ashley Judd in it? Uh, I don't. Was she Kiss the Girls, I think. I remember she was Carrie Alex Cross. Was in yeah, Alexis always, Cross. Spoiler alert, Carrie always was the bad guy in Kiss the Girls. <laughs> and how do you know? Because he was the only other character. <laughs> yeah, I like to think he was Bobbly Wobbly. <laughs> yeah, His the good guy of Oogie Loves the Movie. Bobby Wobbly. Okay. but um, Now, and the old movies, old movies, these movies are like 15 years old. <laughs> Alex Cross was played the by, classics. was played in the classic Alex the Cross. In movies. the talky Alex Cross, the movie. <laughs> they were, he was played by Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. who you may best know as the voice of Penguin documentaries. <laughs> but he was, at, he was an actor before that. As a good actor with a lot of charisma and screen presence. And let's face it, a lot of bad movies under his belt. No, but sure. He, but, but he brings a certain... Ineffable something. A certain gravitas plus a charm. Mm-hmm. He's he brings like a ser- in wanted. <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's you hire him to bring a seriousness of purpose that is also likable. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I guess Tyler Perry, who plays Alex Cross in this movie, is a guy who wants to make the leap to being an action hero. He is. He. Uh, the movie seems to be starring a character who is a. Kind of semi-in-shape, quiet-spoken fellow who wants mm-hmm. to break into a new market. Like, everything about the movie seems to scream, Tyler Perry is doing this! This isn't your dad's Tyler Perry. Hold on, it's an all-new Tyler Perry! Except for- Tyler Perry presents <laughs> the new Tyler Perry 2.0. Except for it feels like he is like a sitcom dad who wandered into an action thriller somehow. Yeah. It's like that. Uh, it's like that Chris Elliott Showtime special. Action Family was called. <laughs> or Action Dad. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. Every time he's outside, it's a cop thriller, and every time he's inside, it's a family sitcom. Mm. It's not. T- it's not totally successful, but it's a funny thing. Track it down on video, everybody. It shares a videotape with FDR One Man Show, which is genuinely fantastic. Two great Chris Elliott Showtime specials from the early nineties. <laughs> what are we moving? What are we talking about? <laughs> sponsored by Chris Elliott. <laughs> Hey, we're brothers in Elliot. <laughs> we gotta look out for for fellow Elliot. Now, what were we talking about? Alex Cross, starring Tyler Perry. Okay, so yeah, he's in really good shape, right? 
<laughs> Not exactly. He's, I mean, he's in good shape. He's an oh, he's a barrel-chested man. So he has the he has the grace and the oh, elegance. Oh, you guys are talking about Tyler Perry. I was talking about Matthew Fox. <laughs> well, let me. I was going to finish that. Tyler Perry has the grace and the elegance of a late career Steven Seagal, right. where it's almost like a mattress on legs is getting into fights. Well, but Matthew Fox is in this as the villain, and he is super jacked. I just want to say also, like I once described myself as 1950s fit. And I think that that also applies in a different way to Tyler Perry. I guess so, yeah. In the same way that, like, Wallace Beery was fit in the 30s, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, he looks strong. I mean, he doesn't look, he doesn't look attra- like, like attractive or healthy, but he looks strong. But he looks like, yeah. Yeah, you eat plenty of protein and hamburgers and stuff, and you'll get, you'll get there. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's beef protein him, he's not strong. Fall down. No. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, he might fall down if he has to run down a sewer for a while. or As uh, in the beginning of the movie. So we go through what this movie is about. I okay. guess. I mean, you could just imagine a standard thriller and then put Pre- Tyler Perry pretty in much. It. Except there are a few surprises in it I guess. that you wouldn't expect. Okay, the movie starts with Alex Cross, who is a uh, forensic psychologist, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a mind hunter. If yeah, you will. he's just wrapping up his uh, wrapping up a case at he's the very beginning. wrapping up a previous case by chasing a man through a sewer <laughs> and shooting guns at him. Now, you might recognize the career of forensic psychologists from every television show and movie made in the past. He's a real years. CSI, SUV, NCIS, well, it's law and order. Like, he's tough, he's a great dad, but he's also a genius. That's the yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. He can get inside the mind of criminals for some reason. He's better than Sherlock Holmes, because Sherlock Holmes needs to look at clues, whereas <laughs> Alex Cross can just kind of stare in the distance, and suddenly he's like, this guy's ex-military. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, walks, he walks through, at one point he walks through a crime scene, and they go upstairs, and he's like, those bullet holes were from a thirty-eight. It's like, wait, did you even look at them? <laughs> you didn't even like. You didn't even like you bend down. You can smell the, the size thing of the bullet holes. Shui is off. So Alex Cross. The yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Cross is a is a forensic pathologist. Let's call him. He's a mind hunter. He has a family that loves him. Two kids, a loving wife, and a sassy granny. Played mm-hmm. by Cicely Tyson, and uh, his... I, mean, I think it's just his mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, but she's sassy. But she's super, she sassy. Is super sassy. She is the Medea of this movie. She says things like "Don't you go out that door" and mm-hmm. things like that, yep. and like "Get your foot off my bench." Yeah, and don't be playing that piano. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. Uh, I wish he had said piano. <laughs> That's the proper old person way to say piano. <laughs> don't you play my piano? But she didn't. She said piano because she's. She knows how to talk. She's yeah, just she's, not, talk. she's not a monster. She's not a crazy... <laughs> she's uh, not a gold prospector. <laughs> she's just an old lady. So Alex Cross is living the dream. His partner is his best friend from childhood, Ed Burns, who fully the first ten lines of dialogue from Ed Burns all seem to have been looped after the fact through uh, ADR. So you'll just see him in long shot and you hear Ed Burns' voice going, Good work, Alex! <laughs> <laughs> but also, Hey, come back here, guy! <laughs> Look, I haven't seen Tyler Perry in a lot of things, so I don't want to speak to him as an actor. I do, But I will say that he's definitely... You don't even want to speak to him? <laughs> What if no. he's on the phone, Dan, right he know, now? He knows what he did. Alex, let me uh, let me see, because I know you want to talk to him. He's still, him he's, he's, his character was so believable. <laughs> yeah, he goes by Alex now. I'm not going to call him Tyler. Part of his gritty reboot. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that like I don't I don't want to speak to him as an actor, but I don't know uh, that he was cast correctly. In <laughs> no, he film. was not. Well, originally, but, uh, apparently, this was a role for Idris Elba, yeah. which makes a little more sense. Dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. He can do both. Sexy, charismatic, and sullen. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a giant he, of a man. He's a big guy who you believe punching punching bad guys. And he already played a, a gritty TV detective in television. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned this is the gritty reboot of Alex Cross. We might want to remind our listeners that just as Spider Man got a gritty reboot, that the and Batman with the Dark Knight series and Superman upcoming. That famous character Alex Cross, one of your most <laughs> beloved movie <laughs> franchise characters, needed a reboot. Uh, but the the point I everyone was to make. crying out for a new Alex Cross universe because the <laughs> Alex Cross canon had gotten too continuity thick. <laughs> the point I wanted to make that I don't know is actually worth making at this point. Made it Tell very it. difficult for new viewers to just jump into these movies. <laughs> yeah, to jump in because there's so much to know about Alex Cross. He's a detective. He's a black guy. That's about it. He's got a family. He's got a family. Well, at least for the first uh, half of the movie. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I was just gonna say that if you're gonna give Alex Cross a partner. Uh, with Tyler Perry uh, being as dull as he was, maybe you don't want to go with a Matthew Fox, or not a Matthew Fox, sorry, an Ed, a, Burns. I mean Ed Burns. Who's also kind you of do want to go with a Matthew Fox. <laughs> you want to go with a Matthew Fox, we'll get to that. But Ed I, Burns I is think, just gravelly and dull. I think they should have gone with yeah. like 
who would they should they have gone with? Like a Gilbert Gottfried? You gotta have like yes. a zany Or like a Rob Schneider? <laughs> sure. A Joe Pantoliano might a have Dennis been a good Rodman. fit. A de- <laughs> yeah, Detroit a, cop a jo- Dennis Rodman. A Jonah Hill sort. Now, the movie is set in Detroit. Stewart looked up and found that the Alex Cross character is set usually in D.C., but they added him to Detroit just so that we could spend the whole movie hoping RoboCop would show up. Alas, he does not. Yes. Every Spoiler time they alert. showed the words Detroit, we got ex- we got <laughs> on the edges and of our seat. Literally, a part where one of the, Gene Renault is in it as a as a wealthy real estate developer who's got a big body but a small little <laughs> mouth. Because <laughs> Gene Renault's face is growing faster than his <laughs> mouth is, uh, and he likes to wear white <laughs> Panama hats. But uh, he has a presentation about the new Detroit with all these new buildings, and it's like. Oh, stop teasing us with possible RoboCops. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a semi-evil bad guy, like millionaire who wants to rebuild Detroit. Like, come on. Just bring in, just give us one Ed 209 scene. Well, we, no. We've barely gotten into this. We've, uh, so, and also there's a, and there's another one, there's a woman who's part of their detective yeah, squad. Ra- Rachel uh, Nichols. Who is also that. sleeping with Ed Burns. Mm-hmm. Now. I mean, can you blame her? Alex Cross is a. <laughs> That's not where I would have gone with that. But. Alex Cross is, has a, loves his family. Uh, and they get a case because suddenly, it's their job. because it's their job. <laughs> so he, we basically spend a lot of time establishing that Alex Cross is married and has kids and a lovely family and his wife is pregnant. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a third kid on the way, but uh oh, Matthew Fox comes along. Mm-hmm. He drives up in his fancy car to what looks like a campus chapel and gets a phone call with a mystery man giving him $3 million to kill some people. This leads to an elaborate plan that involves him entering some kind of underground daytime campus chapel ultimate fighting ring just to impress a rich woman so that he can seduce her and then get a laptop from her and kill her and her bodyguards. Because Elliot, middle of the day is the new middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Only the cool people get really dressed up nice and go out to ultimate fighting championship rings. And the only way to seduce a woman is to choke another man in front of her. Is to to win an ultimate fighting match. I was saying to you guys while we were watching it that if it was like midnight or like two in the morning, it'd be like, oh, this this sleazy after hours, like secret fighting ring, that's kind of gritty. But it's the middle of the day. So all I could think was like, this is a lot of unemployed people. (laughs) Detroit really doesn't have enough jobs. All this is so pathetic. All these all these unemployed guys just no, hanging no, out no. This in this is, abandoned church. Yeah, dance, dancing while jobs. Rome burns. Fighting while Rome burns. They opened up two ultimate fighting jobs. <laughs> so he goes with her back to her house. They search him for a weapon. And Matthew Fox is playing this very, like, he lost all of his body fat, basically. He's just super... Whip it strong. He looks you know? like a jacked James Carwell kind of. Yeah, I can see that. Like a like Jack Carville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a like a lizard skeleton that's somehow been animated. <laughs> well, he has muscles, but he is he is totally bald. Muscular lizard. <laughs> yeah. A muscular lizard. You know, like a He Man villain. <laughs> but super but like thin. You know? But without the, the little Brady. underpants and belt. Because he's naked without when he works the, out in this movie. Without the fur loin cloth and the belt with a big opal in the center. <laughs> And like a harness on his chest that has nothing attached to it, it's just like a symbol with straps across. It's just his to chest. draw attention to the uh, the money money areas, so the, the pecs, the shoulders, <laughs> the money areas, <laughs> yeah. and without the like real tail spinning action where you squeeze the legs and the tail spins around. Yeah, because let's just get this clear: Matthew Fox does not have a tail in this movie. <laughs> he is not a lizard man hybrid. <laughs> this is not the gritty reboot of Spider Man that has a lizard man in but it. But it's fair. I mean, like if you imagine Matthew Fox from Lost, and then like. Cross that with a praying mantis. That's basically Matthew Fox in this movie. Yeah, okay, so more of an insect than a lizard. Uh, okay. <laughs> he reminds me of the snake man that you see fighting in Jonah Hex the movie. Okay. But without the charisma. Let's get that straight. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of, he kind of is trying very hard in this role, but it feels like he's sleepwalking through it. But anyway, he injects his victims. The, in this case, it's this sexy woman who wants to have sex with A lot with like him. a lizard. He injects venom she, into she a, a victim. She has a great line where he says, he notices there's a statue of the god of war next to her bed, and she says... Not Kratos, but some Japanese <laughs> one that doesn't exist. <laughs> Kratos? <laughs> yeah, what from, mythos is that? From the God of War video games. Oh, because most people, I think, when they think God of War, they think Ares, Mars, you know, the, uh, the uh, I think you'll be, think you'll you're going to be disappointed. Actually. <laughs> really? Thank yeah. you, God of War These series. are different frames of reference. Yeah. Anyway, a Japanese God of War, and she, she says, sex is a lot like war. Both require will and strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just love the idea that she never goes to bed without a game plan. <laughs> Check her resources. Figure out her, her her bedmate's vulnerable points. I'm going to invade from just below the testicles. <laughs> I'm going to proceed upward. Okay, men. You flank around her butt while I go straight through the middle where her vagina is. 
called The Old One Too. <laughs> Come on, we're playing it simple on this one. Hammer and anvil strategy. <laughs> now, uh, like so we he, learned at the academy. <laughs> his his killer mo, and he's kind of a serial killer, but he's also a killer for hire, so it's a little muddled. But he injects her with a green liquid that paralyzes her. It's but not reagent. It's not reagent. Don't it's get not, excited. Not the ooze. She doesn't turn into some kind of Matthew Fox <laughs> woman <the> hybrid. <laughs> The secret of this ooze is it is not has no mutagenic properties. <laughs> not really a secret, which is what you might expect. Yeah, and so, but it paralyzes you, but you can still feel what's going on. And to get the password for her laptop, it turns out he's cutting her fingers off one by one. But he's also hidden a tiny gun in his shoe so he can shoot some people. <laughs> now, they, he, so he shoot, he kills her three bodyguards, and the police are called in because. I don't know, maybe someone heard gunshots or the housekeeper stumbled on the bodies. They never quite explain how, who found these bodies. I mean, he probably called it in because he, you know. You know. Oh, yeah, to, to rub their faces and in de- it. Yeah. Dead bodies, you know, they just call the police themselves <laughs> in movies. <laughs> and so that's when t- Alex Cross and Ed Burns walk in. Alex Cross. And they meet John C. McGinley for the first time. <laughs> who's the police sparks. chief. And the t- they argue, mm-hmm. but it's like, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that feel like this is an episode of the Alex Cross TV series. It's almost like we're supposed to be like, uh-oh, there's the chief again, always on their case. But we don't know who these characters are. And when they establish like, themselves, they're so boilerplate, you know, boring. It's like the police chief learned how to be a police chief by watching a TV show, <laughs> because every time Alex Cross shows up, he argues with them. <laughs> But for no reason ever. Like, it's like no you actual... called him in. He's the specialist on this. <laughs> yeah. There's even a point later on where the police chief congratulates his officers <laughs> for not catching the criminal, <laughs> like by putting in a good job. <laughs> and later on, there's going to be a big assassination attempt, and Alex Cross calls it in. The police be- like put a like basically put the building under siege, and Alex Cross walks in and he goes, "Oh, you're screwing it all up, everybody!" And it's as if. Like you point out, Dan, like as if he didn't call it in, yeah. <laughs> like as if he had nothing to do with what it. What do they think? What were they gonna do? <laughs> uh, so Alex Cross can instantly see this is the work of one man, even though all mm-hmm. he's seen is three dead guys lying on the ground. Yeah, but even if it was the work of one man, it's not that impressive. Like one guy with a gun could easily kill three guys. Yeah, the, the, like if you've seen the trailer, there's a scene where it's like. No, this is just one man, and you think it's not like it's oh Riddick God. or something from the what, Pitch Black series. <laughs> what crazy? Like crime scenes, do they come up? For, like, are there are, like thirty dead, thirty people, people flayed and blood covering the walls? He's like, no, it's no. He's like, no. He had him stand on a block of ice, and the block of ice <laughs> oh. melted. I get it. The doctor was a woman. <laughs> I would love, love it if Alex Cross just solved all his, all of his problems with mind riddles. <laughs> the gun was puzzles. made of ice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the gun was made of ice. Yeah. That's how he snuck it past the guards, Dan. That's why the killer was wearing mittens in summer. <laughs> Uh, they go up and they find the killer's other calling card, which is that he leaves charcoal cubist sketches of his victims, which, when you fold them in like an Al Jaffe mad folded, give you clues to the next killing. Now, this is also something that is picked up and then never used as a clue again. And you see Matthew Fox angrily doing his charcoal sketches during in his workout in his kind of seaside workout studio slash. It's like a houseboat gym. or something, right? It's like a land houseboat. Oh, okay. It's actually a really nice looking house for a bachelor, but uh, he—I mean, he's pretty good at his job, though. I mean, like he—he deserves to own that place. Oh, sure, you know he's a super. He got three million dollars off of this one job. He can easily buy some real estate. And in Detroit, prices are low. If ever there was a time to buy and just kind of hold on to it, waiting for a resurgence, especially if you're as liquid as he is with three million in the bank, now's the time. And near the water, you can go to Canada anytime he wants, probably. Oh yeah, I mean, just anyone living in Detroit can do that. They just go on a road out there. If what you're you looking for do? a place to, to set up an HQ, real estate is cheap in Detroit, especially if you've got three million big ones and burning a hole in your plenty of people who probably are, need to be paid to be killed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a tip from us at the flop house. <laughs> so they, they find from the clues who the next victim is going to be, and it's a German businessman. Of some kind. Of some kind <laughs> who's in Detroit uh, as part of this big real estate venture, and he's a big jerk, and he it looks like they tried to hire someone where if you were just walking by the TV real fast, you'd think it was... <clears throat> Mads Mikkelsen, but he's not oh, as good as Mads Mikkelsen. I usually assume people are Mads Mikkelsen. And also, just to get things straight, Mads Mikkelsen is Danish, not German. Oh. So if anyone thought he was German, he's Danish. Or if they were going to write an angry letter into us, 
We know that no. he's not German. He's yeah, Danish. Like, don't try and out Mads Mikkelsen Elliot. Come on. you were going to be disappointed. Because uh, let me just tell you, there's only three words that describe what I am, and that's mad about Mads. <laughs> I'm Mads mad. Yeah. If possible, Elliot would have a mouthful of Mads if he could. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> that made me imagine him Mads folding. <laughs> it always reveals itself to me. It's a picture of Mads Mikkelsen when you hold it. It becomes a different picture of Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> A mad's folded. It's enough to drive you mad. <laughs> About mads. <laughs> but uh, anyway. They so just... they go to – and uh, it's funny because the security at this building go from we don't believe you to wait, let me give you this enormous assault rifle so that we can, we can try to stop this killer. The killer's got a brilliant plan. He's going to scuba dive <laughs> up through the pipes of a, large, of a large fountain, burn a hole through the pipe, yep. get out, and then make his way into the office of this guy he's going to kill. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. But it doesn't work out. He instead gets in a shootout with Alex Cross. He blows up a grenade that hurts the lady, and uh, Ed Burns manages to wing him by shooting him in the shoulder. But he escapes. This is when they go back to the Case police closed. station. <laughs> and John C. McGinley goes, good work, everybody. <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. I mean, they did save the guy that was going to be killed, yep. but on the other hand, the, the killer got away scot-free, and they caused a lot of damage. I mean, yeah, I mean we may have misread damage. that based on the rest of his character. He might have been sarcastic, but it didn't seem like it at the it time. It seemed like he meant it. <laughs> it was very strange. Well, yeah. Well, he was delivering a shit sandwich. Afterwards, he gave him a real yeah, dressing gave down. Him, yeah, gave him a reaming, so... Yeah. They go to investigate some more, and they find that all these people were working for Jean Renault, who is this big... Developer who likes to wear a is gold. Is that a fat joke? No, I mean, he has gained weight. He's in. He's on that scale now between the old Jean scale? Renault who was skinny and what uh, Gerard Depardieu looks like now. So do they go to him because he's let's an just expert say this about French cool actors. Assassins, or? French actors get bloated as they age. It's the uh, it's the hidden secret about French actors. Maybe the last one who didn't was Yves Montand, but uh, otherwise. <laughs> I don't know why that's specific to French actors. I mean, we're all putting on weight, Elliot. Other than but Stuart, French actors get seems to shed it. <laughs> yep, shed it like gravity's like a not lizard. your friend, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe there's something in the French diet that turns a leading mm-hmm. man into a pudge ball. Yeah, bowls full of uh, like duck fat balls. and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, uh, you just tuck it in the morning <laughs> to a breakfast of a bowl of duck fat. <laughs> smear it all over your. You're just smearing Nutella on everything. Over chocolate there. croissants. Yep, and uh, so anyway. <laughs> Smearing some Nutella on some brie. So, uh, Jean Renault, you can tell there's something sinister about him because he wears a Panama hat. He's got no a giant reason. ring. And he's got a giant pinky ring. So you know he's a bad guy, but they've got nothing on him. They just think he's kind of sinister. And he looks like he's the next target of this ultra-super-secret serial assassin killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alex Cross, meanwhile, is having no luck tracking this guy down. Although they do say, <laughs> there is a scene where Ed Burns goes, Get inside his head! And Alex Cross goes... <laughs> He's ex-military. I don't know who's. <laughs> Which is a great line because it's like, oh, he might work for somebody's personal military. <laughs> he either was in the U.S. Special Forces, Israel's Defense Force, or Steve's Army. <laughs> He's in Oliver's Army. The Kiss Army. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Dad's Army. Yeah. So I've, I, now I'm a little confused about how things happened because this movie was so dull. Well, a couple so of dull. ladies died. Well, yes. So he captures... He, the killer sneaks into the lady cop's home. Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols' home and basically tortures information out of her. And then You don't see that. That's off camera. It was camera. disappointing That's to camera. me because the the most interesting thing to me about this movie was perspective nudity. Was that there was a pretty lady in it okay. and then they I killed you, the one lady. I thought you were saying that the most interesting thing to you was that we did, the most disappointing was we didn't get to see Rachel Nichols tortured on screen. <laughs> no, I'm not, a, I'm not a monster. No, you're just a pervert, but I don't know. That's not my thing. I just like pretty ladies. And there is, and Rachel Nichols <laughs> and Ed Burns do have a sex scene in which she reveals nothing. Yeah. But uh, she unfortunately gets killed. She gets killed. And, and then in short order. Well, the kid, Matthew Fox is calling Tyler Perry while Tyler Perry's on a date with his wife. And he say, yeah, they play cat and mouse, normal serial killer cop conversation. Uh, it's pretty you boring. Know, it's pretty dull. It's a lot of you don't understand me, and like, what did you? Who started? When did you start this? As a kid, don't try to get inside my head. You know, copper something. While like he that. gives the crazy googly eyes and wears his cool hat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he does have a cool kind of like Kangol style hat. Uh, and Matthew Fox is setting up a sniper rifle. Uh oh! For somehow he knew where Alex Cross was getting dinner that night, <laughs> and he's got a sniper. Pointed Alex Cross. No, then he points at Alex Cross's wife, and Alex Cross realizes what's about to happen. 
too J- late. Though. Too late. Jumps in the way, but not enough. And his wife gets killed seemingly by being shot in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A big one in the bread basket. Yeah, it goes through like the back of her with her chair. I think she, I think it like hit her spine. Or oh, something. okay. But she dies, also taking the unborn child with her. So yeah. Alex Cross zero, <laughs> decency zero. Yeah, this is Matthew really... Fox fought four. Yeah, I think suddenly this got a lot darker than you would expect. It's a gritty reboot. And in then the middle, uh, Alex Ross's wife and unborn child get killed. Edward Burns takes it kind of in stride, though, right? Well, Even though his sad. girlfriend just got murdered. But he's right? not as sad as Alex Cross. Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, he wasn't married, so he's like. Sweet freedom. And yeah. he's like giving Alex Cross like a high five. And Alex Cross is like, no, he's I'm like, not on board with this. I <laughs> Pizza and cereal every night, dude. Come on, dude. Let's go for a drink. Who's going to stop us, our girls? <laughs> Sad, I really. can watch TV with the sound way up. So Alex Cross. <laughs> That's your idea. I don't have to keep the sound low when I watch porn now. Who's going to hear me? The neighbors. <laughs> I, I can care about with- them. That's part of the turn on. <laughs> I'll pee with the bathroom door open. Hell, I'll poop with the bathroom door open who's gonna see me my dog he doesn't know what's going on <laughs> sad really so the two of them basically go to the dark side as the dream girls would have put it and, <laughs> and they take a taxi to the dark side and decide to take the law into their own hands for about 10 minutes which yeah. involves them breaking into uh, as earlier in the movie it was established that alex cross was trying to get out of jail a young woman who had taken the fall for a killing that her uncle had committed and now that that setup pays off in that they break into the police evidence dungeon, or I guess you would just call it locker. Yeah, I mean, it's... It is an actual <laughs> evidence not, locker. Yeah. They break into it, which involves punching a real cop and steal these guns that were the evidence in that case. Then he goes to meet up with that crime lord at a vintage car museum, because it's mm-hmm. Detroit. Played uh, by uh, Juan Carlo Esposito. Played by Juan Carlo Esposito of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And he says... I'll give you these guns that are the only evidence in this case, and your niece will get out of jail if you tell me the name of this chemist that makes this chemical that the bad guy uses. And it turns out the chemist is just kind of like this nerdy guy, and they beat the shit out of him. Also, I like that this, you know, like, this is, I feel like this is true in every stupid, uh, like, crime thriller, where all criminals apparently know each other. Yeah. Just like, okay, well, we'll uh, we'll put some leverage on this other criminal. He probably knows this well, they, guy, right? They I all mean... attended crime school together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe they went to crime camp in the summers. Yeah, and they go back for their crime uh, reunions, yeah. and everyone's crime older. <laughs> and they have to go to the... Everyone's crime older. <laughs> it's like space, right? You put it in front of everything. Yeah, exactly, And they go to the yeah. annual criminal's ball where they all talk about plans to kill Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, so many gimmicks in one room. <laughs> so they so they beat up some poor they beat drug up some dealer. guy who has almost poor. no lines, yeah. and he's just a drug cook. And he gives them he manages to show them surveillance video, which gives them the license plate of the car that Matthew Fox is driving, who they've been referring to as Picasso because of his cubist sketches. Which at this point they never get to see again. He just uses draws them in his spare time. <laughs> In mm-hmm. his spare time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his spare time. No, it's accurate. It just seems funny. It's just a little bit of him him time. Look, if he just works all the time, no, he's going to go crazy. Er. Yeah, hitmen have their own interests. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, ju- not just murdering people. He's got a soul. Yeah. Someone, a soul that's not expressed through his dialogue or acting, mm-hmm. but only through his art. By which I mean the way he kills people. And his naked pull-ups. And his naked pull-ups where you... It keeps. It gets he, creepily <laughs> close to the root of his ding dong. <laughs> Stuart was really was really weirded out by that. Uh, so they find the car, and then this is when they suddenly are no longer vigilantes because he, Alex Cross calls the license plate number to the police department, and says, "Hey, call OnStar and have them shut this car down." And the police person people are never like. How did you get this information, Alex Cross? Like this, did you beat somebody up after breaking into our own evidence locker and making yeah. a deal with a with a head gangster <laughs> and screwing up an important uh, criminal case? <laughs> nope, they just are, they just run with the punches. From this point on, it's like he's an associate to the police department. Like he's he's a he's their like head shrinker in residence rather than yeah. a, rather than a cop. But they okay, so they know the license plate. They track him to uh oh. Downtown, there's going to be a big presentation about the new Detroit. Jean Renault's going to be there. That's got to be his target. So they call it in. The police set up an entire cordon around the place with lots of cop cars, a helicopter, like a security truck, SWAT guys all over the place. Anyone tries to get in there on foot or in a car, they're way out of luck. 
Yeah. But Matthew Fox isn't trying to get in there by car or on foot. How's he going to do it, Stuart? He gets in there by bazooka missile. (laughs) (laughs) He sets up, he gets onto uh, one of their people mover mass transit trains, uses a computer to override a switch, and then shoots at the city hall, I guess, with a bazooka. Yeah, from a moving train. From a moving train. Doors open. And the plan works beautifully. (laughs) He even gets. A bunch of people explode, including John McGinley. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a lot of people explode, and there's some hilarious flaming dummy work. <laughs> but And before he gets on the train, he's standing there with, like, a big case that looks like a guitar case, but he's got a gun in there. Or actually, he's got a bazooka in there. And three yahoos out of nowhere are like, hey, hey, Pally. Hey, hey, see something, say something, huh? <laughs> you you going to go play some music, panty boy? They just start picking on him for no reason, and then he kills gonna all Going to shoot of them. us with that gun? And it's like, they <laughs> want... There's one thing the tough guys hate, it's music. <laughs> They cannot stand And it. if there's one thing that people waiting for a train are in danger of, it's, I guess, being bullied by nobodies on the train platform. Because <laughs> even if they're bullying you on the platform, you're getting in the same train car. It's going to be an awkward ride after that. Yeah. But uh, they... They, it, they wanted to give you one of those moments where the bad guy gets to kill a couple assholes so yeah. that you kind of like the bad guy for a second, but it didn't work. You still don't like him, and he, yeah. he just blew up the downtown And with he a shot a guy in the knee, which, personally, I don't like right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, Dan you was start like, thinking about all the physical therapy that guy's going to have to go through. Except that he, he got killed. killed. And you're so like, just shoot him in the face. Just but Dan was like, you know what? I kind of like this Matthew Fox. And then he shot the guy in the knee and he went, whoa. You have just broken the unwritten law. Take him down. <laughs> Take him down, Cross. Cross him off your cross list. Yeah, that's what, Crossy. That's what Dan was punching into his text message was, okay, Cross, you can kill this guy. <laughs> Yeah, issuing instructions to the movie. So Tyler Perry and and Ed, and as I'd say Ed Helms, Ed Burns drive up. <laughs> Ed, Ed Helms would have been a way better partner. Yeah. Ed Burns drive up, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Blah blah blah. The bazooka blast explodes. They are just at the perimeter of the blast, so they get thrown back a little bit, but not hurt. Whereas everyone else is vaporized. <laughs> <laughs> like it maybe had a tiny warhead on that yeah. on that bazooka charge. But taking no time to mourn their following colleagues. They zoom off in their car. That's true. I guess the chief of police is dead, and they just—he's they in just, charge now. Yeah. They just drive, and the rest of the movie is almost in real time. They yeah. just drive off. We get a long shot of of Matthew Fox getting into his car at a parking garage, turning his radio on, finding, driving down the off ramp, finding his ticket, finding <laughs> finding his parking lot ticket, and then as he's leaving the parking lot, there's a—it's all done from in a one shot inside the car. That's in a totally different style it's, than the rest of the it's movie. It's shot it's like, like in DV. Mounted a camera, yeah, in the back. and it's. Then he like crosses the the doorway and there's they they were hoping to hide a cut but it's really poorly done and then Alex Cross smashes into him with his van. Yeah, it's I mean like I don't want to make too much fun of it because it's the only time in the movie that the they try anything to do anything with the style. Well, that's thing. If the movie was more like that, I'd be like, okay, this has some style to it. But just having one different style moment in a very bland movie, yeah, it sticks strange. out so badly. <laughs> It's like the scene, you know, in... Uh, maybe a second unit director did that part. Maybe. Or maybe. Yeah, a second unit director with a lot of big ideas. Yeah. He let some teenager look at the script for a couple hours and picked which, how the teenager would want the movie shot yeah. or something. I guess so. It's kind of like everyone loves the the big shot in Goodfellas when they go through the kitchen of the club. Right. Uh, but, like, if that shot happened in the middle of, like, an episode of I Love Lucy, <laughs> you'd be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what happened to the three-camera setup? <laughs> With a studio audience. This, I guess it's cool in theory, but why would it? This doesn't make sense. Uh, so the rest of the movie is just a chase scene between Tyler Perry and Matthew Fox. They're in an old theater which we that's turned into a parking garage, which we know because they get the, they they get the coordinates of the car. And he goes, he's in the – and Tyler Perry goes, he's in the old theater. And, 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 and Ed Burns goes – but they turned that into a parking garage. <laughs> Thanks for the information, movie. Uh, and but, they, but, but then in the actual fight scene, they seem to be two totally different things. Like, there's still an old theater there that it's like above, have a fight out above with. the parking lot, they still have all the old catwalks yeah. and the old ceilings, and they fight. Perfect for battling. And there's a big action punch-out between Tyler Perry and Matthew Fox, <laughs> where it's like, Matthew Fox is this guy who earlier we saw destroy a professional Ultimate Fighter, and now... Tyler Perry is holding up against him pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's on a rampage. Well, but there was that moment where <laughs> Tyler Perry He turns big and he cl- crawls up buildings and eats people <laughs> and punches them until the buildings fall down. Tyler Perry did slow-mo kick Matthew Fox on the balls. That's true. That was a good moment. I liked that. <laughs> the camera starts to shake. Everything goes slow. And you know that's coming right for his nards. Yep. 
And then uh, and the guy from Matthew the, Fox has Nars. And the whammy from Press Your Luck shows up on screen and goes, Whoop! And then and then brushes away all the points Matthew Fox has accumulated. <laughs> Just sweeps them away with his whammy broom. Uh, so they're fighting, there's a big fight. The ceiling, the root the floor they're fighting on, which is the roof of the building, is very unstable. They're falling through it, and they fall through it. And it's just like the end of the movie we watched a long time ago. One of you guys mentioned this. Obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. Where the, the good guys where Beyonce's holding Beyonce's arms guys. grow really long or whatever. <laughs> yeah, which was, her legs get pulled really Which was long. an Idris Elba movie. Like, and they really should have switched roles. Like Tyler Perry and Obsessed he should have been would have obsessed. made a lot more sense. Was, I could understand her being obsessed yes. with Tyler Perry. And I could totally understand him cheating on Beyonce. <laughs> because Tyler Perry, I don't see as having the personal control that Idris Elba has. I don't know. But, uh, and are you saying that Idris Elba has the self-control of a a guy who's been handsome all his life. (laughs) So he knows how to handle women as compared to a guy who's, uh, you know, a little pudgy and now he's come into all this wealth and women are crazy. So a woman, even though he's married to a beautiful woman, another pretty ish woman comes up and is like, Hey, and he's like, I don't know how to handle this. As now that he's to, he's dripping in power, I mean Idris Elba knows gems. knows when it's time to tank array, <laughs> or that tonight we tank array, whatever those ads say, where it's just Idris Elba sitting on a stool. You're drinking saying by it himself. weird. You're saying it wrong. How do you say it? No, just not like you. You make it sound dorky. No. Oh, <laughs> well, you say it. Uh, tonight we tank array. <laughs> okay, that's better. Yeah, yeah. You know he's a handsome guy, Idris Elba. You know, walking around in Luther wearing two coats. <laughs> Two coats all the time. Just yeah, being all handsome, like the accordion on the Prometheus. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Looks like he rolled out of bed, and he's still he's still handsome. Yeah. So anyway, give me anyway, a slice Matthew of that. Falls Back to in his the movie, death. not <laughs> It would have been better if Idris Elba was in it. It sure. still would have been a bad we movie. Can all agree. But so Matthew Fox falls to his death uh, on a car. And if this was a different movie, then when the police came, he'd be gone, <laughs> and they'd be like, "What?" But I saw him die. But it's and then there would be a scene where. Tyler Perry goes home to his children, and Matthew Fox shows up, and he has to save his children. There'd be that last final scare scene when you're not used to it, but it, this isn't that kind of movie. So yeah. instead, Tyler Perry just kind of goes back to his family, and but that's the end of it. No, no, there's another. There is a, a oh, final that's right, scene. I forgot. There is a final final comeuppance <laughs> where it turns out that Jean Reno was behind it the entire time. <laughs> Somebody hired Matthew Fox. It was Jean Reno. It turns out. He was involved in some kind of shady dealing, and he had to get rid of the people who knew and fake his own death. And yeah. now he's in some Asian tropical vacation. But, but Alex Cross figures it out because he's a super genius. <laughs> and Alex Cross, he has him on the phone. And Jean Reno literally says, like, I had to do it. They knew too much. But you have nothing on me. Nothing. And it never occurs to him that, like, Alex Cross could confess. just record this confession. But it doesn't occur to Alex Cross either. Because it turns out he's planted two kilos of cocaine in Jean Reno's house. That's the thing. Because Alex Cross doesn't want justice. He, he wants, wants Jean Renault to get shot by a firing squad, which is what happens. And he goes, apparently. "You know what the you know what the punishment is for drug smuggling where you are? Death by firing squad." <laughs> that's the funny thing. <laughs> that's to me the about that's movie. the final joke. Yeah, <laughs> this movie final joke on us all. Yeah, this movie does like, and at the end of the movie, uh, Alex Cross goes home and he's like standing outside, like looking at his children, like wondering if life can be the same again. And I don't think that the film like actually realizes the degree to which. Like, this character is morally compromised by the end. <laughs> this character has become soiled in our eyes. Like, he kills uh, Matthew Fox outright and kills Jean Reno outright. I mean, that was self-defense, that was self-defense while chasing defense, a suspect. But, like, Jean Reno is just like, well, I'm going to plant cocaine on you and have the government of this other country shoot you. It almost feels like they're going for, like, a Dark Knight type thing where he has to break his own rules to get results, but then he's corrupted by it. But uh, instead, he's just... Doing whatever he wants, killing mm-hmm. people, and then in the end, he goes back to his family. Yeah, Alex Cross, you got crossed. I like that. There's a Don't moment where him. Jean Reno tries to David like Cross. tries to claim like I did not mean to have your wife get killed, but like he also killed like the the police chief and all these other police. Like he killed a ton of he people. He killed a lot of people, and that was part of the plan, right? Because <laughs> it's 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 like he it's the idea I guess is that he hired this assassin, but didn't realize the assassin was a maniac. And not even an invisible maniac. Yeah. A regular maniac. Kind of maniac. <laughs> the <laughs> breast kind of maniac. <laughs> well, it's like we got a little you both guys you guys both have CKS or Crypt Creeper Syndrome. <laughs> Puns just pop out of your sentences. What CKS is a real danger. <laughs> Be aware of it. Uh, learn how to protect yourself from CKS, Crypt Keeper Syndrome, Boys and Ghouls. Oh, no, I've got it. You call it a disease. I call it a blessing. <laughs> That's my curse. That's my blessing. That's your That's cross my Lance to Henderson. bear. <laughs> uh, so 
he has uh, what were oh yeah. So the idea is that he didn't. This guy went out of control. But part of the plan, yeah, is murdering a bunch of police with a bazooka. <laughs> like, did he think he was gonna get his body double was gonna get killed in a clean way? I don't know. It's it's not a well thought through plan from Jean Reno, who you'd think would know better since he is the professional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess we no all- women, no kids. So Dan, <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Uh, so what do you think about the movie? It was well, pretty the, great, right? <laughs> it was pretty. Uh, this, I, is the, this is the point in the movie where we give our uh, point in the podcast, rather, where we give our final judgments about the movie. Yeah, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. I say that this was a bad, bad movie. If you imagine the most generic thriller, and then don't cast that with a uh, you know charismatically just cast it with just a guy. <laughs> well, he's not just a guy; he's a huge star. Yeah, but I guess, I mean... I, but he's a again, huge star for doing something other than this. Yeah, I haven't seen him in other things. Perhaps in drag, it, he, like it's like that old thing like uh, about, uh, what was it, Esther Williams? Like, dry she's nothing, wet she's a star. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe that's the secret of Tyler Perry. But they should have thrown a bucket of water over him? <laughs> yep. <laughs> hmm. But I just, I found I'll it watch it, I guess. <laughs> but no, he, it's true that what he does best is what's not showcased in this movie and what's made him a huge star with lots of fans is not in this and it is like a by-the-numbers cookie-cutter thriller that, like, if Nicolas Cage had had the starring role in this movie, it could have um, been great. If he had played both the lead roles, the hero and the villain, now you're talking about a movie. But then it would have been changing. Ale- it would have meant changing Alex Cross to a white character, which would have been kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. Nicolas Cage is a pretty wide range. Nicholas, Ca- you're saying Nicolas Cage in blackface is Alex Cross? Uh, I mean, it worked in Cloud Atlas. <laughs> It didn't really work in Cloud Atlas. Wait, that wasn't Nicolas Cage? No. What movie did I watch? <laughs> uh, you watched Cage Atlas. Okay. The movie where Nicolas Cage reenacts all of Cloud Atlas. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it's Tyler Perry was just so quiet and, like, not, not smoldering. I'm going to jump in here and say I think it was almost a good bad movie because mm. Matthew Fox is super weird and there's that scene where he shimmies up like a drain pipe. <laughs> well, he swims up a, a fountain. Uh, there's some really crazy, supply. stupid crap in it. and There is uh, some crazy, stupid stuff in it. Yeah. And well, the hero's wife does get killed. I didn't expect it to go that far. That's true. I expect him to just shoot the baby out of her body. Yeah, I thought that it was going to be one of those <laughs> You expected to have a, see a scene where... The, we saved her, but we lost the baby. The bullet mm-hmm. goes... They're through into her belly. There's an X-ray shot of the fetus ducking out of the way as the bullet flies by it, stirring up the amniotic fluid, and then it goes out the other side. Like no, no, no. I thought, time. <laughs> no, I thought they were still going to shoot the baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the baby's going to literally get shot out of the body, but then it's going to stand up and be like, don't worry, guys. <laughs> Just consider it a C-section. Um, I think it could have been a good, bad movie. I'd say it's on the, it's on the brink. Before. Don't patronize me, Elliot. If you don't agree, that's fine. <laughs> no, I thought it was a bad, bad movie. But when you look at it, there are th- like there's the scene where they're looking at the crime scene, and they're like that where Matthew Fox has cut this woman's fingers off to find out what her laptop password is. Which is but something- she couldn't even talk. How did he figure that out? It's also something that like. I don't think he ever needed that laptop for anything. Maybe it was to get into the train. I don't know, but uh, or the building. But he, uh, <laughs> where they say like. Ed Burns is like, but he wouldn't. She would have given up the information after one finger. He didn't have to cut them all off. And Tyler Perry goes, one was for the information. The rest were for fun. And it's like, you have no evidence to support this. <laughs> you guys are just making conjecture about something you cannot that you cannot figure out. And I would think that, I mean, I'm not a guy who cuts fingers off. But I would think after like <laughs> two or three, you'd get kind of bored with it. <laughs> then it just becomes, you know, a job. <laughs> it's like zip lining. <laughs> You yeah. go on a zipline course with like ten ziplines. Yeah, yeah the first two or three, you're like, "This is exciting," and then eventually, you're like, how many lines we got next? Left? It's like uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. The first one's good, <laughs> second and third right. one, no way. It's you the never want a donut of ever again. Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. But with fingers, you can stop after a couple fingers. And if you crunch, they'll still make more. You can crunch all you want. <laughs> Who cares? Use the so, can to make like drum on a guitar right. on a <laughs> trash can lid. Uh, so before we move on to the next section. Segment. I just want to say, uh, and yeah, I know those Doritos. By the way, don't write a letter, David. There no, uh, there no specific things I want to plug over there, but I do want to oh. take a moment and say, uh, go over to allthingscomedy.com. Uh, take a look at the other great comedy podcasts they have there. They're all a delight. Uh, great selection of podcasts and uh, support. Didn't, our, we do, didn't Tom Papa's podcast just join? Uh, I, think I believe so. I believe you are correct. Um, but uh, I also want to make a vague plug, which is a saying plug. that uh, I believe it is in uh, 
June, I think June 8th, right? <laughs> we'll be doing our next we'll be live doing show. Our ni- next live show. We know it's not till June, but that'll become faster than you think. Um, and uh, that's going to be again at 92Y Tribeca, but uh, I believe this time we have the larger venue. So Yes, so we're the tickets are not for sale yet, but we'll let you know when they are, but you mm-hmm. should... Buy them up and encourage other people because we're going to fill up the bigger space, yeah. which holds a lot now. more people, so we really need to fill it. Otherwise, we will look like total dorks. Mm-hmm. But, Unlike normal, where we look like kings of men. <laughs> where we're super awesomeoids. But that space also has its own bar, so you no longer have to run out in the middle of the uh, thing if you want to get more drinks. Yeah, and you'll be like sitting at like... You know, chair Cabaret not not theater seating. chairs. Yeah, cabaret style seating. There'll be an MC. The Nazis will be outside, just like cabaret. It'll be great. But uh, yeah, it'll, it's in the bigger space, so there'll be much more seating. Anyone wants to come in from out of town to see it, go ahead, because there's more chairs we gotta fill. <laughs> I give you permission. <laughs> You're now allowed to. Um, Tell them Elliot sent you, but then pay for a ticket. Parking will be validated. <laughs> it won't be validated. No. Well, I don't know. No, there's no... I don't think it will. They don't so have a garage. Uh, this is the point where we answer a few letters from our listeners in the Flophouse movie mailbag. Let's do that. Sometimes then. people write into us. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes we answer them. This letter is from Brian, last name withheld. He's, he's entitled... He's actually titled, sorry. Oh, he's pretty <laughs> entitled. Brian, just give it up, okay? He titled this email... Pilot season, and he says... This better be a question about Launchpad McQuack. <laughs> hey, everyone, including any guest hosts that may or may not be on this particular episode. They aren't. This email is for Dan and Elliot, but it concerns Stu. <sighs> so... Yes, I'm awesome. I keep going. Say the news is no longer funny and the Daily Show shuts down, and to make ends meet, you have to go pitch a new show pilot that stars Stuart Wellington. Yeah, it's called Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's your only option, but it simply is. So the question is this, what kind of show would you pitch that would play to both the strengths of Stewart and also to getting mainstream success? A wacky office drama for NBC? No. Worth laid-back dude Stu being the foil to some uptight necktie business types? No. A risque Showtime show where Stuart runs a bordello and steals men's wives. <laughs> Stuart's and, nodding yes. And possibly is also a vampire. <laughs> First off, I'm okay with nudity, guys. <laughs> a classy HBO affair that's basically Arliss with Stuart as a sports agent. Or a not classy Cinemax affair where Stuart reads diary letters that have been sent in to him about different sex stories. <laughs> a family comedy for CBS with Stuart as a crude blue-collar worker with a smoking hot wife. Or something actually new like and creative. Stuart is not unattractive enough to be a guy with an attractive life in a CBS comedy. Or will it be something actually new and creative from the minds of the Emmy award-winning duo of Kaylin and McCoy? Kaylin has first billing because he has more Emmys. Thank you, yes. Uh, I'm going to stop running that gag into the ground on the Facebook page at some point. Just wanted to send an email that had nothing to do with ding-dongs. Damn it, there they are again. (laughs) Oh well, keep up the good work. Brian, last name. Nothing gets the ding-dongs out. I've tried and I've tried. (laughs) Try new DDR, ding-dong remover. (laughs) DDR really gets the ding-dongs out. No, you don't want to use DDR. That is carcinogenic. (laughs) Oh, oh God. But nothing else gets ding-dongs out. It's worth the risk. (laughs) What do you want, ding-dongs or cancer? What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) So what show would we pitch for Stuart? Now, I see him as... I would say a wisecracking bartender, but Cheers already existed. So he's going to be a wisecracking bartender. And that bartender. hits a little close to home, you know. Well, that's the thing. you got to play what you know. Oh, okay. You're a wisecracking bartender in a bordello that you own. The piano is played by an animated cat who you also voice. <laughs> and each week uh, you— Wait, <laughs> the animated cat is the piano? Like, it's played no, by? No, no, no. He's the guy. Oh, he's, he's the pianist. Okay. It's funny that you say that about the cat, because I was going to pitch a show where Stuart is actually the voice— of the parrot on on a pirate pirate captain's uh, shoulder, and he is the brains behind this pirate's uh, adventures. Okay. okay, sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of blouses. I think we're cutting off one of the main selling points here, which is the Stuart Wellington punum. Oh yeah, that's, that's going to get a lot of you ladies. You can CGI my punum on top of this parrot. <laughs> that <laughs> no, never little, looks weird. A little weird. Well, maybe Stuart could play both the captain and the parrot. Now you're talking. Okay, I and like he's that. what like um, Captain Love of the SS Sexy. <laughs> yep. Do I have to do? Do I have to do accents? Because I got a million of them. Yeah. Well, you're... hello, hello. I'm a pirate. That's one. <laughs> you're a chimney sweep turned pirate. What's your parrot voice? Oh, mop, mop. That's not great. <laughs> okay, I'm still working on it. How about I'm a pirate? <laughs> Is that some kind of weird Hans and Franz I'm a, French? I'm a pirate parrot. 
That's what I just said. I said it in Germanic French. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, we'll work on this. I think you got to solve crimes at some point. Maybe you play saxophone at night under a street lamp with yeah, case with of the week steam coming. <laughs> it's called Stuart Wellington's Case of the Week, and it's you sitting at your desk. And go, ah, pull up a chair, put your getaway sticks up on the desk. Let me tell you about my Case of the Week. But I do like this saxophone next to a steaming manhole cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this and a uh, lot of sex scenes. This next email comes from you're not in them. Okay. But I'm watching them. You're watching them, yeah. <laughs> Nodding approvingly or shaking them. my head You're it's describing when them they go later. too far. It's called Stuart Wellington's Sex Describer. <laughs> and it's just you watching real life sex and describing it over the phone and judging people. Stuart Wellington, sex judge. I like what you did here, but this is not correct. Work with it. Make it work. So it's light, shot in a reality show style, but it isn't But it's a scripted. Show. But it's a scripted yeah, it's scripted, show. scripted show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Giving you guys a chance to really flex your writing muscles. Exactly, yeah. It's on stars. <laughs> <laughs> so it may not exist. So this is uh, an email from <clears throat> Tim, last name withheld. And it is titled Dan's Thing. Uh, okay. Ding-dongs again? <laughs> he says, Dear Floppers, I would like to inform Dan that his tragic ongoing search to find his thing has finally been resolved, at least in the eyes of one person, my wife. Picture a man working diligently in his study. It is early evening, and bar the single lamp on his desk, his only accompaniment is the dulcet sound of the flop house filling the room. It is the All About Steve episode. Through the though the episode is Elliot free, the yeah, man still the man still finds himself laughing out loud. Hearing his laughter, the man's wife enters the room. She places her hand gently on his shoulder. What are you listening to? She asks. The couple look over to the speakers. The wife smiles, eager to share in her husband's mirth. <laughs> the husband smiles too. But what do they hear, this loving couple? Do they hear Stuart utter- uttering the hilarious, wait, what? Or perhaps a contribution from the house cat on his way out for a night on the town? <laughs> no, from the speakers, Dan has reached the part of the po- that particular podcast where he describes in excruciating detail the logistics of a woman sliding down a banister on her bare <laughs> vagina. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I wasn't there for that one. Barg... <laughs> Bar giving the man a quiet look of disappointment and making a passing reference to Dan as being filthy, the incident has not been mentioned again. So there you go, Dan. Why would you talk about that? For most listeners, your heartbreaking quest for a shtick continues, but don't worry. Know that at least one woman out there thinks you have one. She considers you to be the most depraved creature to walk the earth, a vagina-obsessed monster. Maybe it's not something, but put it on your business card, Dan. It's a thing. I think you should do that. Dan K. McCoy, vagina-obsessed monster. Mm-hmm. That's your business card. It was part of your wife's vows, right? <laughs> what? That she loves, loves her vagina-obsessed monster. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird pet you name. Have and hold this vagina-obsessed monster. <laughs> uh, well, well uh, I, yeah, you did it, Dan. You creeped out somebody's wife again. <laughs> and, you didn't even, I, and it wasn't even by asking about her butt. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should apologize uh, to this man that he married a woman who doesn't enjoy comedy. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> wow! Totally uncalled for. No, but it's okay. She fired so, the first shot. Let's just say, the opinions of those men in this section do not reflect that of the, of the Flophouse podcast. Or all things comedy, for that matter. Or all things comedy. It is just Dan McCoy's personal perviness. Mm. <laughs> what a terrible point for the... It should have been an Elliot episode. I never would have stood for something like that. Yeah, well, you know. Do you think when Dan read that letter the first time, he did a bunch of naked pull-ups? <laughs> and each time he went a little bit higher up, so the camera almost saw his ding-dong. Yeah. Teasing it. <laughs> um, actually, my show. I think that uh, we're running a little along, so we may have to tie up the old mailbag. Do we have any other letters, though? We've got... Many other letters. Let me do you want one, one, one more. Let's one do a quick, quick one. one. Let's do a quick letter. Okay, I've got one here. A it's, short stack. It's titled Krang with Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be a short letter. It's, it's from Lawrence Last Name Withheld. He says, Gent, it took a bit of Googling. <laughs> no. A depressing amount of which just involved pictures of Krang molesting April O'Neil. Ooh. Also uh, Harley Quinn for some reason. Uh, I get but it. But here it is. Really, Laura Croft wasn't in there at some point? Warning. Highly not safe for work. Pretty gross. A picture of Krang with boobs. Uh, Weirdly enough, not a cartoon. Both the robot body and Krang IRL, dude. have boobs. 
But they also have massive fake penises. What? Which they're both using to pee on a girl's feet. I never should have asked for one more letter. I like to think that when <laughs> Professor Kleinrock was slaving over his computer all those years ago, in the back of his mind he was thinking, someday people will use this wonderful invention to better themselves through freely available knowledge and also share pornographic pictures of children cartoon characters that embody a surprising number of fetishes. I mean, it can't be. It probably isn't that far from Yours Kevin Eastman's hopes for the character. And, uh... Here we go. Don't, oh, don't, whoa, no. don't. Why are you, you showing show us this? Don't post it on our Why, Facebook page. Do not post it. Why could you not? Here you go. <laughs> That's so horrifying. Why does that exist? As advertised. So many horrible fetishes all at once. It's no, pretty that works. That, that works for me. Penis peeing. And let me tell you, it's <laughs> really hard works to pee for with you. Penis. Yeah, I mean, it works. It's the description. I mean, it's it a robot penis urinating. Yeah, it should be biologically impossible to do that, but it is a robot. There's, there's still something about it. There's two penises. I never thought I'd see something. So that, we're talking about the character Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> yes, cartoon. Yes, the living brain Krang. Wow, on that one. The, the penis on the Krang brain appears <laughs> to be ejaculating on the girl, and then the penis on the robot is peeing. We better hope that guy's I should have studied that picture He didn't closer. say, hey, they're talking about my letter, and then she walked in for this part. <laughs> Look, I didn't bring it up. Well, you did bring it up. He told her we were talking about her letter, so she went and baked us a cake that <laughs> said, you? I forgive you. And she walked right in at that moment and then dropped it on the floor. <laughs> and no. then threw it on the floor. <laughs> she shouldn't have forgiven us in the first place. No. That was her mistake. I never thought I'd see something weirder than the illustration of two Transformers with human genitals having sex, but I did. So thanks, Dan. <laughs> Um, so that concludes the letter mailbag with a bang. Why did I ask for another letter? Uh, and now comes the last segment in our uh, show where we recommend movies we actually enjoyed and think that the listener might also. Yeah, mine is called Penis Craig Peas Again. (laughs) Well, on the subject of, uh, of... Of kind of uh, on building on nostalgia. Oh, I thought you could say on the subject of disembodied heads doing crazy things. There's a movie called Head of the Family. I just uh, I just watched Wreck It Ralph, which is great. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature, and I'm assuming many of our listeners have already seen it. But uh, I really liked it. In some ways, I felt like it it out Pixar Pixar this year. It's a well told story. It is incredibly well voice acted, specifically from Flophouse fave Alan Tudyk. Uh, yeah, go see it. Uh, I would like to recommend a movie called uh, Prime Cut, starring Lee Marvin, Gene Hackman, and Sissy Spacek in her first uh, credited role, and it's directed by Michael Ritchie. It's a... Uh, mean Guy Ritchie. No, <laughs> Michael Ritchie. It's a uh, 1972 uh, gritty crime drama that uh, is about a enforcer <laughs> from um, uh, Chicago... Who goes down to I, I believe near Kansas City to uh, Kansas some City, money. Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri? I can't remember. But he's collecting some money from Gene Hackman, uh, who on the side is running a white slavery ring that involves uh, Sissy Spacek and a bunch of other girls, like being in like a cattle like pen naked <laughs> for some reason in his downstate like weird uh, crime ring. But um, this is a movie that got made. Yeah, and with. <laughs> With a bunch of respectable people in it. But um, it's a great, like, sleazy crime film. And uh, what's interesting to me about it is it's a sleazy crime film that's set in the rural Midwest. And as someone from the rural Midwest, I really appreciate the way it makes that area seem super menacing and weird in a way that is not accurate to (laughs) my uh, personal experience growing up. But I found a lot of fun. So that's my recommendation, Prime Cut. Well, my recommendation is going to be a movie that I watched a while ago and I was meaning to recommend, but we've been having out-of-the-ordinary episodes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so this, I'm going to recommend an older film, shocker, uh, <laughs> called Viva Zapata. This is uh, an Elia Kazan movie. Say what you will about his personal politics and the way he treated other people. He made, he made a bunch of good movies, and this one's really good, uh, starring Marlon Brando, Anthony Quinn, Eli Wallach's in it. And it's a historic film about Emiliano Zapato, the uh, agrarian rebel uh, in Mexican history. And it's just really good. There's a lot of good gritty fighting scenes. There's a lot of good dialogue scenes. They do a good job of kind of building a portrait of a man who has what it takes to be a hero and a leader but but feels like he's not educated enough to really take advantage of it. And so as a result, gets used by other people. And the only real problem in it is that Marlon Brando's Mexican makeup is a little too 
heavy, and they pull back his eyes as if he's Edward G. Robinson in The Hatchet Man playing like a Tong assassin. Or like uh, like uh, Sean Connery in You Only Live Twice. Yeah, or uh, it, it, all the people in Cloud Atlas, basically. <laughs> uh, but... So that's and people complain all the time about Touch of Evil, and they say Charlton Heston playing a Mexican. But Charlton Heston is kind of a more convincing Mexican than Marlon Brando in this. But Marlon Brando's performance is still great. It's just that like he over he attempts to overplay being Mexican. But uh, just like a Speedy Gonzalez voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole the whole thing is uh, I'd like to I want to overthrow the government. I think <laughs> no, Horrible. he's no, he's he's basically just he does the thing that old Hollywood actors did when they played other ethnic groups which is that they talk a little slower <laughs> uh but it's still really good and i highly recommend it and uh that's the movie viva zapata exclamation point well guys it's come to end, uh, an end of another episode <clears throat> and now comes the saddest part of the episode where we rewatching alex cross <laughs> to make sure well, we were correct you don't real. You may not realize this out in podcast listening land, but we watch the movie before and after recording. <laughs> hey, we call it a flop sandwich. <laughs> we do it to punish ourselves because we are not happy with who we are as people. Wow. Hey guys, I'm glad we can cross this one off of uh, the list of Boom. movies we have to watch. Yeah, talk about a real Alex. <laughs> Did that work? No. Did that? Uh, no. Well, let's workshop. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll work on that. Uh, but for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. What else does Alex mean, Elliot? I don't think anything else. <laughs> okay, well then my name's Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and my name's Elliot Kalin, but not Alex. Good night, no. everyone. <laughs> Bad. We are waiting for Dan McCoy to take the stage. He has poured himself a glass of some sort of liquid. He's now handing a coaster to a co-star Mr. Stuart Wellington. Named- Elliot Kalen. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and now Dan is taking his seat before the hushed crowd. Eager to see what he's presenting this time. He winces slightly, knee still hurting. Wonder if that's gonna affect his performance tonight. But I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs>